Excellent. Well, we're going to gather around the Word of God, and if you're visiting us today, um, we do this every week. Just for a moment, we look at the Word of God. We believe that the Bible is not um, some random historical text. We believe that the Bible is the most relevant Word still today. We believe that it is God's Word to us, that it's living, that it's active, that it's sharper than a double-edged sword. We live according to the Word of God and so every week we spend some time just gathering around the word and seeing what it has to teach um, to us. So if you've got a Bible with you turn it to John chapter 5 or your iPhone to John chapter 5 or if you don't have either of those things then um, these words will come up uh, in just a moment. John chapter 5 and I don't so much want to preach a message to you this morning rather I want to instill hope within you by directing your attention not to myself, not to what's being said in this moment, but to the Word and to the author of the Word, because my Bible tells me that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So what we want to do this morning is simply look at an account, and then we're going to look at how that applies to us this morning. So John chapter 5, begin at verse 1, and this is what it says. After this there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool, which is, in, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these, in these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there, who had had an infirmity for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. Let's just pray one more time. Heavenly Father, I thank you that as I go to share these words, Holy Spirit, you would anoint these words. You would do what I can't do. You would take these words and imprint them on the hearts and the lives of people. Lord, I just thank you for receptive hearts this morning, that we would hear what you are wanting to say through this text, we pray. Amen. Okay, I want to share this morning on the subject of hope. And we are uh, coming out of a, a season, a time, two years, um, that for many people with global pandemics and all that's going on has felt fairly hopeless at times. It seems that we have never lived in a more divided world. When you switch on the news and see what's going on, it feels fairly hopeless. Every time that you switch on a news channel, and I'd encourage you not to do that more than you really need to, but any time that you happen to, do you know what? It's bad news coming through. When you speak to people, there's this sense of hopelessness. And I want to speak hope this morning because... The reality is, even against the backdrop of a fairly hopeless world and a fairly hopeless generation, chances are you've walked into this place, whether you believe in God or not this morning, carrying hopes. You have hopes about different areas of your life, just as I do for mine. Maybe you've walked into this place this morning carrying hopes concerning your employment. Hopes about where you want to go, where you want to be. Hopes concerning your family. 
hopes concerning children, that just as Edmund and Zara this morning have hopes for your Nathan, you, if you have children, may have hopes about what you want to see for your children. You may have hopes about your health, hopes about your finances, hopes about buying a home or getting a home or renting a home, hopes about relationships, that relationship being restored, that relationship being better, that relationship beginning, hopes of breakthrough. Some of you are hoping, I hope this guy doesn't go on too long this morning. We'll try our very best with that. But we carry hopes. Some of you are hoping for change. You feel like you've been stuck in the same old, same old for far too long now. You're hoping for change. Others of you are just desperately hoping for some sort of stability. It's been chaos in your world for far too long now. You just pray and hope for stability. Some of you are hoping for something to start. Some of you are desperately hoping for something to end. We're all in different places here. And yet as a child of God, hope can be a funny thing at times. Because there's a massive difference between what the world says is hope and what the Word of God declares hope to be. See, when the world speaks of hope, even in its language, there's this sense that it conveys doubt. There's, there's uncertainty when you speak about hope. We say things every day like, um, I hope to hear back from them. I hope that the pastor will turn up today. I hope that this will change. And even in the language that we're using, there's a sense of uncertainty. But at the very same time, we're saying, well, that person may not call me back. That parcel might not arrive. There might not be any change at all. And so when we're talking about hope in a worldly sense, there's this vague wish or desire about something which may or may not happen. But I want you to see today that when the Bible speaks of hope, it doesn't speak of it that way. That when the Bible speaks of hope, it uses this term or this word that that talks about a confident expectation, an absolute assurance that when you talk about biblical hope, it's not if or but or maybe or certain doubts. There's an absolute assurance in what God has spoken. See, biblical hope is not a feeling based on how things are looking on the circumstances around you. Biblical hope is something that is a reality, a total confidence and assurance in God and his word. It's the kind of assurance that Paul speaks of when he says we're to walk by faith and not by what? Not not by sight. It's right, you can talk back to me, you won't get struck by lightning. You can walk by faith and not by sight, but we're to walk according to what we believe and not according to what we see and what's going on around us. In other words, we're to live every day knowing that the promises of God, what he's written in his word, are true and we're not to be moved by what we see, feel or experience. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Amen? It's the evidence of things not yet seen. Now here's the thing. You would expect a preacher to say all that I've just said. You would expect somebody with a microphone who's going to talk from the Bible to say all of the things that I have just said in this moment. And maybe for you, you, you kind of get a sense it's kind of true and, and I kind of know this. And maybe at the beginning of your journey of believing and trusting God for something, it was so easy to have that confident expectation. There was a sense of anticipation about where you were headed. Just like when you pack up the car. And maybe you're going on a long journey or you're going on a family holiday, whatever it might be, and you pack up the car and it's jam-packed and there's excitement about where you're heading. 
But how many of you know that if you're driving from here to Scotland, that excitement begins to wane about the time you hit the M27? Because all of a sudden there's all these traffic jams, all these stops, and what was so exciting, what was that sense of anticipation to begin with, starts to become a little bit differently. And maybe at the beginning of trusting God and hoping for a certain area in your life, you were in that place of confident expectation. God, I trust you. Maybe you became a Christian and somebody said, you know what, just pray and instantly it will happen. Or you've been trusting God over a certain area and you had a promise, you had a word from God. And so you were full of confident expectation, absolute assurance of what God was going to do. God, I trust you. But you know what? As days go past and days turn into weeks and weeks into months and into years and for some maybe even decades of waiting and we still see no change. And we still see no breakthrough and we still are awaiting our healing and we're still waiting for those relationships to change and we're still waiting for the kids to come back to God and we're still waiting for God to prove himself in our opinion in that area or this area. We're still waiting for things to get better and for the hurt to pass. We're still waiting to see answers to our prayers. What we see can cause us to lose hope. What we see can cause our absolute assurance to be diminished where we get to a point where you hear a preacher say, oh, hope, biblical hope is an absolute assurance and it just washes over you. It just slips past. You just, yeah, that's nice for you, Steve, but you're not living in the real world. You don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what I'm facing in this moment. And all of a sudden, the confident expectation is now just a vague wish. And in John chapter 5, we're introduced to this man. And his account takes up just a couple of paragraphs, just 15 verses in the entirety of the Bible. Hundreds and thousands of verses, and yet just 15 verses are about this man. And the Bible locates him by the pool of Bethesda, where this place where sick people would go. And tradition had it that if you were in the right place at the right time, in this case, in the water, then in this moment, you would be healed. And we only get a snapshot of this man's life. But for 38 years, he has been in this position. He has been in this place. See, it only took about three minutes, right, for us to read that a moment ago. But those three minutes translate into 38 years. And some of you identify with this because it only takes a couple of moments for you to share your story, for to share your journey. It would only take two, three minutes for you to talk about your situation and what you've journeyed through. And yet for others, they go, oh, that's nice. But you're the one who's been living it for 10, 15, 20, 30 years. You're the one who's had the most horrendous year and it may only take a couple of moments to say it. it would only be 15 verses for you to write it out but you are the one who is facing this in real time. Now we're not told whether this guy has been coming to this place for 38 years but we do know from his interaction with Jesus he's been there many times before. And so we can imagine day one in part we can imagine that he arrives at this place, this pool and again, we don't know whether this was right at the beginning of his journey or whether he heard about it later on. But he's there and on day one, he would have been full of confident expectation. I've heard about this place. I've heard that when you get in the water, that then things change and I'll be healed. And so he's in that position. And at the end of day one, we can imagine that he's taken home. And you think, oh, that didn't turn out. But, but tomorrow, but tomorrow. 
And tomorrow he turned into the next day and into the next day and into the next day. And here he is, 38 years and still no miracle and still no change. Listen, he's in the place where miracles happen. He's in the right place, yet he feels so hopeless. And for some of you this morning, that may strike a chord that you're in the right place. You're in the house of God this morning. You've sung songs. You're now hearing the word. You're in the right place. And maybe you're always positioning yourself in the right place. I'm at everything that, that I feel I should be at. I'm listening to everything I feel I should listen to. I'm doing all of this stuff. And yet, in truth, you are void of a kind of hope that is a confident expectation and assurance. Your hope has been reduced to this vague wish. Well, well maybe God will do it someday. Maybe. I've heard he does it for other people. Maybe someday in the future, if I do enough things, then eventually it will click into place. And if I say enough words, then I'll be in a place where I receive what it is I've been believing and trusting and hoping God for. This guy is void of hope. And into his storyline steps Jesus. Now, I want you to see in verse 6, it makes this statement, when Jesus saw him. I want to say to you this morning that Jesus sees you. Now again, that could just be words being spoken to a microphone, but it's a reality that Jesus sees you. Whether you come in here every single week and yet you feel so hopeless every time that you leave, you still feel so empty and full of void. Jesus sees you and knows you and knows every situation that you are facing. Jesus sees the fact that you may have a smile on the outside, but you know that you're broken within. Jesus is the one, the only one who sees that when you put your head on the pillow at night and you sigh, or maybe you cry tears of frustration, he sees those moments. He knows what you're going through. Maybe you've never been in church before and it's your first, he sees you. And for a generation that so often feels so overlooked and so we go to other people and social media and all these things in order to try and be seen, you can live in the assurance today that you have a saviour and a creator who sees you and loves you and wants to restore you. And so Jesus sees him and he asks him what may sound like a really strange question. He asks him this, do you want to be made well? Now, if you're reading that for the first time, you're like, well, Jesus is a bit rude, isn't he? 38 years this guy has been in this condition and he walks up to him and says, do you want to be made? Uh, sorry, that's kind of an obvious, surely. But you know, Jesus had a habit of doing this. Another time a blind man comes up to him and they bring the blind man to him and he says, what do you want me to do for you? It can seem kind of strange, but why did Jesus ask in this moment? I don't know, maybe because he wanted to hear the declaration from that man's life. Maybe because, as the Bible says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. He actually wanted to hear that man say it for himself. This is what I'm believing for. This is what I'm trusting for. This is what I'm hoping for. Maybe it was because so often we allow our situation to become our identity. And so he wanted to see, where is this man at? Is this man still believing? Or has he now just accepted that this is how it is? Sometimes people say, would you pray for me? And so I said, of course, and and we're about to pray. And they say, but I don't believe anything's going to change. Because actually some people have become so accustomed to their situation that it's now become their crutch. That it's now become their identity. It's now become their safety net, that this is who I am. And so we can become victims of our own situation. So Jesus says, what is it that you want? Do you want to be made well? 
And Jesus asked him that question, and the guy doesn't say yes. Again, you're kind of like, what? <laughs> 38 years, Jesus says, do you want to be made well? And the guy says, well, this is a situation, verse 7, New Living Channel. He says, I can't. I can't, sir, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. Now, two things I want to say on that. Jesus says, do you want to be made well? The guy responds, I can't. Why? Because, again, it's become his identity. Because he's become so void of hope, so empty that thinking that things could ever change, that he's allowed this to become his identity. I, I can't. It won't ever change. For some people in this place, God is wanting to make a difference in your life, but you are just in this place where you say, I can't. It will never happen. It will never change. This is always the way that it's going to be. But here's what else I want us to notice. He says, someone else always gets there ahead of me. Now, think about that for a moment. Here is this guy, and he would have seen other people get their miracle and walk away. And no doubt, to begin with, he was happy for them. He was celebrating with them. And, and on day one, when somebody else got their miracle and got there ahead of him, then everyone cheered, and, and they all said, that's brilliant. And so faith may have been stirred within him. But day after day, year after year, here he is, still not receiving his miracle and watching everybody else get theirs. And maybe, just maybe, you're in a situation where you say, I've heard about God, or I know this, or I trust God, but everybody else seems to get their miracle. Why not me? What's wrong with me? And so we start to strive, and we start to try and make it about what we can do, and how we can be better. And, and in this moment, this guy's frustration has grown. Maybe you're in a situation where your frustration has grown, and your hope has faded, as you've seen everybody else get their breakthrough, everybody else get their answer, everybody else get their miracle. And at first you used to rejoice with them, but now you're in this place of saying, God, why not me? Now Proverbs 13 gives us an indication of why not. Proverbs 13 verse 12. just want to read the first part. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Hope deferred. What, what does it mean when you defer? A whole load of people last year and this year deferred their university course because of all that was going on. It means putting it off. When hope is put off in your life, when hope is deferred, when you keep hoping and yet it just seems to be getting further and further away, the Bible says it makes the heart sick. Listen, the word of God is relevant to everyday situations today. Some of you today, your heart is bruised because you're thinking, will it always be this way? Will it ever change? Will it ever improve? Because it's possible to live without a whole lot of stuff. But just as it's pretty difficult or impossible to live without water or food, it becomes very difficult to live without any sense of hope. And our friend in John chapter 5, here he is so hopeless but he's doubting it's even possible anymore. Everybody else gets there ahead of me. It's never going to happen. And yet... He's in the place still where miracles happen. I don't know whether people just dragged him along and he was like, I don't want to go anymore. Just leave me here. Some of you are like that with church. Come on, we're going to church. I don't want to go anymore. Where are you going? Get in the car. I don't know whether that's husband, wife, children. We'll leave that with you. We're going. He's in that place where miracles happen, yet he's void of hope. He's trying to bounce in between the world's form of hope. Maybe one day it will happen and the sense of hopelessness. It will never happen and then we come to verse 8 and here comes the change and I want you to see so clearly it didn't come because of something he did it came because of someone he encountered 
There's a massive difference. His name is Jesus. And this man is saying, well, I can't because somebody always gets there ahead of me and it's not fair and this is a situation. And Jesus almost ignores his words. Again, if you don't know the character of Jesus, you can read this. He's quite rude, isn't he? This guy is, is in this place where 38 years and he says, do you want to be made well? And then the guy, you know, he would not make a good counselor in this situation. But the guy opens up to him and says, well, I can't because every time somebody asks it, and he says, okay, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. He doesn't get into a debate with him. He says, stand up, pick up your mat. Walk. Oh yeah, but somebody always gets... No, no, did you not hear me? Stand up, pick up your mat and walk. And instantly this man is healed. In one moment, 38 years of hopelessness come to an end because our God is real. He is a God who brings hope to the hopeless. And the way of the world had failed this man, Jesus stepped in. And I don't know what you've walked into this place carrying today. I don't know which area of your life you feel so void of hope, but I do know a God who is faithful. I do know a God who is still alive today. I still know a God who is true, who is not a man that he would lie, the Bible says. But he watches over his word to perform it, that all of his promises are yes and amen in Christ. A man, a God that we can trust when we understand and life makes sense, and a God that we still can trust even when life doesn't make sense and we are in the hardest of times. See, so often we make our hope circumstantial, right? When things are good and life is well, we're full of hope. But when life is empty, when life is difficult, when we don't see any way, we're hopeless. But the Bible speaks of this hope that can be so deep-rooted within us, even in the hardest of times. It's a kind of hope found in Lamentations chapter 3. Let's end with this this morning. I said I wouldn't go on too long. Lamentations chapter 3. And in these verses, we read some fantastic verses. We have had these songs sung, and some of you have read these words, memorized them. We'll read them in just a moment. But it's so important for us to understand the backdrop to these words. Because what comes before what we're about to read is anything but easy. If you read Lamentations, in fact, spoiler alert, if you read Lamentations chapter 3, verses 1 to 20, it's not fun reading, okay? It's not, if you need to pick me up this afternoon, there's plenty of Bible passages you can go to. Lamentations chapter 3, probably not the one you want to choose. This is a moment where the Babylonians have gone in and invaded Jerusalem. And they've ripped everything, they've destroyed everything in sight. They've destroyed the temple that meant so much to the Israelite people. That there's just desolation everywhere everybody has been taken into captivity there's only a few survivors everyone else has been taken and this guy talks as though it's his reality and this is a situation everything is hopeless but then we hit verse 21 lamentations 21 3 sorry lamentations 3 21 and 25 yet i still dare to hope the whole situation is hopeless yet this man says yet i still dare to hope. My, my children, I don't know where they're at right now, yet I still dare to hope. My marriage, it needs improvement, but I still dare to hope. Oh, this illness that's on me, it's just getting the best of me, yet I still dare to hope. I don't know how we're going to make the end of the month financially, but yet I still dare to hope. What is it that you need to, in your life, stand up, pick up your mat and say, I still dare to hope. No matter what's going on around me, no matter how bad the situation is, I still dare to hope. Why? 
because he was having a good day? No, it was a terrible day. Everything was in absolute chaos. Why does he dare to hope because of this? I dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance, therefore I will hope in him. Not in circumstance, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. The writer says, this isn't how I want it. I don't see any natural hope around me, yet because of who you are, God, I still dare to hope. I dare to have a confident expectation. I dare to walk with an absolute assurance because you are faithful and you are good. So let me end with this question for you. Simple question. Will you still dare to hope this morning? Will you still dare to hope? Not based on what you see, because maybe that feels fairly hopeless, but based on who he is. Will you dare to say, my hope is in God? And stuff may have tried to knock me down. And life over the last however many years or months or days may have tried to kick the stuffing out of me. It may have tried to reduce my expectation to a mere wish, but I dare to hope. Not based on hype. I dare to hope. But this too will turn around. This is going to change. And it may take 38 years. See, sometimes we go through journeys. It may take a while, but in one moment, Jesus can make all things new. And in the meantime, while I wait, God, what is it you want to do in me? God, you are the answer, but what is it you want to do in me? Because I know I have a hope. This too will turn out for my good and for your glory. I dare you to hope. In the face of what you're surrounded by, I dare you to trust in the one who is trustworthy. See, right now your situation may not make a whole lot of sense. When you line up with what the Bible says life should be like, your situation may not make a lot of sense, but we serve a God who sees the beginning from the end. He sees you in your pain in your confusion. He's not playing with you. Listen, God is not a cruel God. God does not put sickness upon you. You need to understand who God is. But he sees you in a place of frustration, that place that seems so hopeless, just as Jesus saw that man on that day. And he says today, don't let it become your identity. Pick up your mat and walk because it's a new day. It's a God who can use even the most painful and confusing moments of your life. See, one of the questions that we ask and one of the questions that so often robs us of any sense of hope is a question why ever found yourself asking that question or am I the only one yeah you leave me up here on my own okay sometimes people like me ask the question why obviously all of you have all the answers to life and godliness but little people like me ask the question why and you can read this passage and think God why 38 years why that doesn't make sense why and I remember reading this a, a while back and, and asking I actually wrote in the, in the margin why sometimes you know what when you don't know what God's saying through something just, just make a mark in your Bible come back to it because you won't always understand everything straight away and I'd love to tell you that suddenly an angel appeared and tap danced and said here's the answer but then I'd be a complete liar so that did not happen but here's what I believe I felt the Holy Spirit say to me that we may not know why 
but his journey is still being retold thousands of years later. And we may not know why, but today billions of people around the globe who are alive today and have heard it before have been inspired by this, his account. His account, maybe only a couple of paragraphs, 15 verses in the whole of the Bible. But this man and his story, and most importantly how Jesus changed his life, is still being retold thousands of years later in a way that brings glory to God. You may not have all the answers today, but you can still have hope that God is a God who truly does work all things for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purposes. Let's just go back to Proverbs 13. We really will end with this because I only told you one half of the story. Listen, let me just say this, that if it's in the area of sickness, I want to underline God does not ordain or offer sickness to teach you a lesson. And I underline that because that's so often taught incorrectly. We need to know the truth concerning that. Proverbs 13 verse 12 says this, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. We've covered that. Listen to what it says next. But a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. Do you know, I just believe in this place, not because of a message that's been spoken by a man, but because of the Spirit just igniting hope within some people that where you've had hope deferred that you're going to be in a position where you start to see dreams fulfilled where what was bringing you heartache where what was causing your heart to be sick all of a sudden is going to turn around dreams are going to be fulfilled like a tree of life in your in your existence in your life so just close your eyes and I just want to pray for you as we end this morning firstly I want to pray for anybody here today who's never given her life to God. And today what we want to do is not try and do everything in one moment. What we want to do is introduce you to this God that we know. This God that's changed my life. This God that's changed so many lives in this place. And I want to pray for you. And then at the end of the service, here's what I want to invite you to do. At the back of the room will be a man and lady, Mark and Glennis. And I want you to speak to them and they're not going to suddenly have a spotlight on you and say, this person spoke to us. They're just going to say, okay, how can we help you? But I want to pray for you. If that's you this morning, you need or want to make this decision. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for anybody here today who has never responded to the gospel message. I pray that today would be their day, not out of persuasion, not out of trying to twist anybody's arm, but that there would be a real moment of realization that you are alive, that you are real, that you have created them for a plan and a purpose. That you have dealt with the issue of sin that kept them from closeness and real relationship with you. Father, I thank you that they would be brave enough to go speak to Mark and Glennis and say, yeah, I want to know more. I want to begin this journey today. And Lord, for anybody who does that today, I just speak blessing over them. I just thank you that they are going to begin the greatest journey of their life as it unfolds before them, they understand all that you have done in them and for them. Heavenly Father, I just end this morning by just declaring dreams being fulfilled. 
not because I'm saying it in the microphone, but because your Holy Spirit is stirring people in this place today to believe once again. Lord, help us to not be the people who hold on to whatever situation it is as our identity, who don't say, well, I can't or this can't happen because of this, but that we walk with an absolute assurance, a confident expectation that you are still God and you are still working in people's lives. Lord, I pray comfort over those who have had just moments in their life where hope has been deferred. I pray for anybody here today who's in the middle of that where they feel so empty and void of hope. Lord, I pray for anybody here this morning who woke up this morning wondering whether to even continue, wondering whether to even see the day out on this earth. Lord, I pray that they would understand and see that Jesus, you see them today. You see them. You see their situation. And you are good and you are loving and you are pure and you're here to reach into their situation, whatever it might be. Lord, I thank you that we would leave this place not hopeless, but hopeful, not because of the words of a man, but because of the word that you have written, the word of God. Thank you, Heavenly Father. But in you, we truly can trust and have a confident expectation of what is yet to come. So Father, we just thank you for dreams being fulfilled. Even right now, Father, that you're working in the background of our lives. Thank you, Lord, that dreams will be fulfilled like a tree of life, we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, give him praise this morning.